Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Central Podcast. We take a look at the great sport of American football from over here in Australia. This is the Week 18 uh, recap show, the conclusion of the regular season for 2021-22 and what a conclusion it was. The final act, it had drama, it had upsets, uh, it had tension, it had everything. Vaship and Gordon beat um, alongside you. I mean, Gordo, we talked on our preview show uh, about how the league had gone to a lot of trouble to ensure we got this 17th game, this 18th week for all teams. Um, and w- would it be worth it? And I think, I mean, for a few games alone, um, you know, namely, of course, that, that Chargers Raiders game to finish, but um, the Rams Niners game, among others, uh, in the afternoon windows, um, I think it was certainly, certainly worth the trouble. Um, you know, what a great slate of games in week 18. I mean, yeah, outside of, I mean, there's always going to be a couple of games in the last week of the season that mean nothing. Obviously, that uh, football team, Giants won, or like the Bears, Vikings, obviously you're going to get those dud games. But for the most part, yeah, there were, there were some great finishes, especially, I mean, you probably couldn't have asked for a better finish to the year in terms of that Chargers-Raiders game. Yeah, absolutely. A lot to cover. We will start with that Chargers-Raiders game in just a minute. Just a quick disclaimer, we are aware, obviously, Black Monday happened. That's early this morning, America, Australian time. It was, of course, yesterday on Monday, I should say, in American time. Um, there were head coach firings around the league. There were GM firings. We will mention them, uh, go over them when we, we reach that team's game, uh, and then in a little more detail um, on our wildcard recap show later on in the week. Okie dokie, two Las Vegas, as Gordo mentioned, the last game of the regular season, game number 272. It was winning in, although the tie was an option, and who would have thought it? It was a very real possibility of the game going to overtime. The Chargers overcome that 15-point fourth quarter deficit. Um, both teams get field goals on their first drives of overtime, um, and then it all came to a head. All the drama of the entire season um, in the final couple of minutes, Gordo. Um, I mean, we've got to start there. Um, the Raiders pick up a couple of chunks uh, through the passing game. They're around midfield. We have the two-minute warning um, coming out of the two-minute warning, uh, they have a rush, one-yard loss with Josh Jacobs. They let uh, Rich Passage, they're letting the time tick down. Um, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were just going wild in the box. They thought, could this dramatic, I mean, how often do ties happen? There was a chance that Vegas um, and LA would tie. That would put Pittsburgh, who'd won earlier in the, in the day, in overtime, out of the playoffs. Both would convert, obviously, with a win. Uh, Vegas would be in. They have a seven-yard rush again. Doesn't look like any timeouts. And then out of nowhere, Brandon Staley on defense calls a timeout. Um, obviously stops the clock. It was a third down play. Perhaps you think maybe looking for a punt and getting the ball back. Um, in the end, Josh Jacobs ran it for 10 yards on third and four. Out came Daniel Carson. He'd never missed in Allegiant Stadium. He nails from 47. The Raiders are in the playoff, Gordo. Uh, and you just couldn't have asked for more drama. Yeah, no, I mean... I think everyone watching along that wasn't a Steelers fan was probably hoping for a tie there at the end, just for the chaos of it. I mean, nothing against the Steelers, obviously, but I mean, it just would have been incredible if they had missed out because of a tie this late in the year. But yeah, no, I mean, obviously the talking point coming out of it's been that timeout from Staley and whether that had an effect or not. uh, I'm not sure what to make of it. I mean, he called it with what, four seconds left, I think on the play clock. So I don't know what he was going for. I think they wanted to get set in a better run defense, but even then, it seemed like the chart. I think from memory, the Raiders were in shotgun, so I'm not sure if the run defense would have really changed much. 
I mean, I know the comments post-game from Derek Carr um, with his, oh, that changed our mindset or whatever it was. He did say later, I think, that they uh, still wanted to win. But, mm. yeah, no, it, I'm not sure how much it actually changed, whether that did actually impact their play calling, but it certainly seemed like the Raiders were willing to let that clock run out towards the end. They were just running it. They weren't hurrying up. They weren't really pushing for a field goal. Then they called a timeout, and it's like, okay, yep, we're going for the field goal. Now. I'm, I still don't know what to make of it a day later. Oh, it was absolutely stunning. The way it just seemed like it was sort of going to peter out. Um, and, and you wanted what would be in the reaction? It just would have been stunning. And yes, uh, they, they, um, you talk about the time I took a linebacker and putting an extra defensive lineman in, um, uh, was the change made, but certainly a lot of scrutiny for Staley. Rich Basacha asked about it, admitted that they were considering taking the tie. The crucial point being with a tie, the Raiders would have been the seven seed and play in Kansas City. With the win, they jump up to the five seed with New England's loss. Um, and they will play at Cincinnati. I think that is a key point there. No one wants to go. They don't want to play. They lost. I think it was 48-9 to nine in Kansas City earlier on in the season. Um, and just from a historical point, this is the first time in NFL history the final playoff berth was not decided until no time was left in overtime. I mean, the game went on until the early hours of the morning on the East Coast, obviously a West Coast game. But um, stunning drama. I bet you the TV ratings would have been just through the roof. Um, and... Uh, uh, something we'll probably never see again, Gordon. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I don't remember. There was that game, what was it, two years ago, the Seahawks 49ers game that was a Sunday night game that obviously had playoff seedings down, but they still both made it into the playoffs regardless. So that wasn't as um, tense as this one was. Obviously here, win and in or a tie. I mean, you mentioned the Raiders' record against the Chiefs as well this year. It's a combined, what, 89 to 23 over their two meetings this year. So, obviously, they would have wanted the win. I mean, they got beaten by the Bengals by, what, 19 points in late November. But even then, I think you'd still rather play the Bengals at this point of the year than the Chiefs. So, I mean, obviously, they did the right thing. You want to win the game. Even if the tie does get you in, getting that better playoff seeding, getting the more favourable potential matchup in week one. Yes, they've upset a lot of Chargers fans, but they're a division rival. I mean, what do you expect? You're not going to let your division also make it in, um, no matter how much the Chargers deserved it. Uh, I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, the Chargers might be the best roster not to make the playoffs. Herbert deserves to get in. I mean, realistically, if they don't blow up a couple of games, if they don't lose to the Broncos by, what was it, two scores at home, they're in. Um, you can't just blame it on one uh, missed or messed up scenario at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's stunning. Four in a row for the Raiders. Season looked lost, six and seven to ten and seven, and you know, as the saying goes, Al Davis didn't say just tie, baby. He said just win, baby. And they sure have done that. John Madden would be proud looking down upon them. I mean, I've got to be careful with my words here, but you talk about the dramatic finishes, the Seattle game in this game. If this had been a tie, you can certainly understand why someone who doesn't watch football or you know, doesn't have a good understanding of football would look at that and think, well, it's got to be rigged. I mean, what are the chances of a tie? But, um, I mean, six fourth downs, the Chargers converted into being a fourth and 21 to get that touchdown, which got them back to a nine-point deficit. Then Brandon Staley goes for two, reigniting this whole debate. Of course, if he'd missed it, I reckon the Chargers probably lose in regulation. They need nine points. He gets it, a seven-point margin. They drive for a touchdown um, and tie the scores up. But, um, yeah, being a, a Steelers fan just would have been um, nerve-wracking. Uh, onto the Chargers, you mentioned, Gordo. Um, a disappointing end, obviously, no playoffs at, at uh, nine and eight. Uh I think the lot you mentioned the loss that was in Denver against the Broncos. Um, for me, it's probably the loss to Houston a couple of weeks ago in Houston that, that really cost them. 
Um, and you mentioned he broke the uh, the passing touchdowns record set by Philip Rivers, um, Justin Herbert, thirty touchdowns again. Um, he is the uh, he is the one of four QBs to have thirty plus passing touchdowns in consecutive seasons and not go to the playoffs in either uh, on either occasion. Um, just stunning. Um, and a long off season, Gordo, they're going to have to go through all the talent on this roster. We thought they were finally going to, you know, uh, break that kind of curse of the Anthony Lynn era where they're losing these close games. But um, instead, they lose. And Brandon Staley, who was getting a lot of love early in the season, going for it on fourth down, his press conferences, so on, that one decision calling that timeout, whether it was ego, whether even if it didn't make a difference, that will haunt uh, the franchise, uh, you know, for at least a good six months or so until the next season kicks off. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the timeout. I think the worst decision was going for it on fourth down. Uh, what was it, midway through the third quarter on his own 18-yard line? Mm. I mean, following the analytics, obviously that's been the whole debate with Staley all year. The analytics people love him. Uh, he's been so aggressive, obviously going for two later on in the game to get it to a one or to a seven-point game. But that decision, I know the analytics said that fourth down, okay, you go for it. But, I mean, it's gifting the Raiders three points there. And the final margin, obviously, is three points. So there's times to be aggressive, but I think Staley at times this year, and this is definitely one of them, he's gone overboard with that. Um, there is trust in your analytics, but if you're going to trust the analytics for the whole game, which he seems to have been doing, wouldn't you have gone for two after you score that touchdown to potentially tie the game at the end? I think that's what the analytics would have gone for then. That would so have then the house down. It. It, like you go for it on fourth down, mm. less than 20 yards out from your goal line but you don't go for two to win the game at the end. I don't know. Obviously, rookie coach, he'll hopefully improve on that. They've shown some great signs this year, but again, it's just that Chargers thing, close losses, some bad mistakes in crucial times, even with a great quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's done because everyone, you know, Alan, Chris in the box, and everyone was going, well, surely he won't go for two now, and then he didn't, obviously. I'm talking about uh, at the end of regulation. I'm going, why not? I mean, if he went for fourth and was it medium to long in his own 18-yard line, he's gone for fourth down all year. He went for a two-point conversion that could have possibly lost them the game in regulation, and he won't go for it. Um, that, that staggered me, and it comes back to bite them in the end. That's one of many po- uh, plays you can point to. However, for the Raiders, for them to lose this one would have been, I think, the ultimate um, you know, pain after where they've come from and to have that 15-point lead and they got three points out of that fourth down uh, stop deep in the, the, uh, the LA Territory off that fourth down attempt. Um, and then obviously to let it go to overtime. Um, there was a lot of talk from Collinsworth. Why do you even attempt the field goal? It could be blocked and you could lose on the kick six. We saw the uh, Cleveland Browns that on Monday Night Football about five or six years ago. However, it all goes well. Daniel Carson, automatic. He will be a big weapon in the playoffs should they progress. They will be, as mentioned, at Cincinnati. We'll get on to the full playoff schedule a little bit later on. But a wild one to end the season on Sunday Night Football um, from Vegas. Let's move west to City of Angels, Los Angeles, where a... Another amazing game of overtime football unfolded between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, San Fran needed a win to get in. Um, the Rams, well, it looked as far as they were concerned, they needed a win um, to win the division. In the end, because of an Arizona loss, they still clinched the division. But um, this was a stunner go to a 17-point lead given up by the Rams. Um, it goes to overtime and ultimately... Um, I think you have to put a bit of respect on the name of Jimmy Garoppolo um, and maybe even Kyle Shanahan uh, backs against the wall against a division rival on the road. 
um, they come back and win this game and San Francisco back to the playoffs um, for the first time since they lost the Super Bowl back in 2019. Yeah, no, I feel like it was one of those typical games you see from Jimmy. Uh, just when people start to doubt him, I mean, Trey Lance comes in last week and played, I mean, pretty well. He wasn't in- incredible or anything, but I think he's done enough to say that he's got a future there. But then Jimmy comes out and leads a 17-point comeback. Um, I'm still, I still have no idea what to make of him as a quarterback. Um, but he's obviously finding ways to win. He's got the 49ers into the playoffs this year. Um, and I mean, coming back from what I think they described on the broadcast as um, a torn ligament in his thumb that resulted in a bone being removed or something from memory. So, I mean, it's a fairly bad injury for a quarterback to have. And he's managed to lead them into the playoffs. Uh, 17 point comeback. Obviously, I mean, Debo Samuel had a lot to say in this. Uh, passing touchdown, 95 receiving yards, 45 on the ground. He's, I think, pretty clearly become the 49ers' best player, at least on offense at this point. But, yeah, whole team effort to come back from down 17 and win this game. I mean, it's like down by a touchdown. Um, uh, I mean, they get the ball back. Uh, I believe it's about two and a half minutes to go. They go nowhere. They punt from deep in their own territory. And then the Raiders have a chance to win the game. They're up, uh, I think it was uh, 24 to 17 at that point. A two-yard run on first down, a one-yard rush on th- second down, and then third and seven, they run it again to the left. Um, Sony Michelle. This is this is Sean McVay, someone who isn't often criticising his play calling. He certainly was when they that losing streak um, punctuated by that loss in Green Bay. Um, it happens again here, Gordo. There was a chance to win the game there, get a first down. Instead, Hecker punts it back, and then with a minute and a half on the clock, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo starts uncorking passes to, you know, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, you mentioned. They get a defensive pass interference penalty and then and then to Juwan Jennings, uh, Jennings for 14 yards for the score across the middle. Um, and then, of course, you know, the game goes into overtime. But um, there was a chance to win it there. And for all, for all the positives that we've seen from this Rams team this year, still some frustrating um, play calls from Sean McVay. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the Rams they've had such an up and down season like so many teams have. I mean, they started out really well. Um, there was that period where they absolutely destroyed the Buccaneers. They had a, they lost to the Cardinals early, but then came back and beat them. But they've had some really weird games in there where they've really underperformed. Uh, they'll play bits of games. They'll play a half and then fall asleep. I mean, I saw a stat. They're two and five against the rest of the teams in the playoffs. Uh, people have criticised guys or teams like the Eagles, the Eagles in particular, for having a weak schedule. The Rams have really struggled against these playoff teams. They just, I'm not sure what it is, whether it is the play calling, whether it's the team getting too complacent. It's just, they make these mistakes. I mean, that final drive, I think is perfectly emblematic of it. They really, I mean, Stafford struggled again in a big moment. Um, some really bad throws late in the game. I mean, that final drive, it seemed like, I think the first play seemed to be going to Cooper Cup, but Odell Beckham comes across in front of it and tries to catch it. I'm, I'm honestly not sure if that was meant for him or Cup. But it really felt like they just went away from what was working, which was Cup early in the game. They rarely targeted him at all late in the game. It's just, and then obviously finishing on that pick, which was a horribly thrown ball. So mm. I think they'll go as far as Stafford takes them. And we've seen that he does struggle in big moments, whether that is against the playoff teams in the season. And now, obviously, in the playoffs, when the lights are brightest, he could really struggle. Yeah. And what struck me was that this is a Rams home game, but the noise when both teams had the ball, it was. As close to a 50-50, maybe even a 60-49ers crowd. Um, you know, fans coming down from the Bay Area, and I know Sh- uh, Kyle Shanahan made a big point of that playoff-like intensity. We want to get our fans down here. 
Um, that's interesting, Gordon. I don't know what you made of that. You know, this is the Rams' house, you know, a division title on the line, and, and they come out, and it just seemed like from a fan perspective, it was almost dominated by the Niners. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I mean, looking around the stands or whatever, you see a whole bunch of red and white and yellow, and just it really seemed like it was a 49ers home game, um, which is strange because usually at 49ers home games, you usually see the opposition pack out the stands. So they obviously travelled really well. The Rams... I mean, I'm not sure if it's been their problem so much when they've moved to LA, but particularly we've seen with the Chargers, these LA teams, their fan bases don't often turn up um, and they get overrun like they did here. It really did feel like a 49ers home game. Um, and obviously, if you're on offense, you do not want that to happen. So you'd hope that during the playoffs something would change, but I mean, who knows at this point? It might not. Yeah, absolutely. Um. You, meant, you alluded to that overtime period. I mean, the Niners could have won it on their first possession. They get down inside the red zone, inside the 10, in fact, um, kicking a field goal is 24 yards from Robbie Gold. Um, essentially, the, the aim there was to leave as little time on the clock. And then, as you mentioned, Matthew Stafford, that first pass, uh, you, it looked like something was wrong when Beckham reaches out. looked like he ran the wrong route. Um, the pass was clearly intended for Cooper Cup. And then, ultimately, Stafford intercepted um, by Ambry Thomas on, on a deep shot. Um, well underthrown, or well, Odo Beckham Jr. is was the intended target. What they saw means is with Dallas's win against Philadelphia on the Saturday and the Bucks win over uh, the Carolina Panthers, the Rams are the four seed. That means they play Arizona for a third time this season. That's a divisional matchup. It'll be on the Monday Night Football uh, slot of Wildcard Weekend. That's the new slot. Of very, I mean, it's a corresponding fixture. They played on Monday Night Football about four weeks ago, and the Rams won it. Uh, that was in Arizona that game. The Niners. They uh, leapfrog Philadelphia. They're the sixth seed, and they will play at Dallas. That, for me, is a, one of the more fascinating games, the one I'm probably most want, well, most looking forward to in the wild card round. Uh, the Niners are a dangerous team, Gordon. Uh, should they get going in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, they're, what, eight and three, I think, over their last 11 games. I mean, obviously, they started the season pretty poorly. I was calling for Shanahan to be fired and whatever at the middle of the year, but they're one of the hotter teams right now. They've been playing really well this Passing offense is getting going. Debo Samuel, obviously, is the key to it. But the other weapons are really starting to wake up. Obviously, you've got Kittle. Ayuk's been really good down the stretch. Uh, the running game's getting going. And this defense is, I mean, it's not back to 2019 levels, but it's doing its job. Nick Bose has been incredible. The secondary is starting to step up a bit. Um, they're looking really good. I would not want to face them at all in the playoffs, particularly Dallas, who is, I mean, also hasn't been to the playoffs in what, three years or so, I think I'm going to tip Dallas there, but the 49ers, I think you're going to give them a really good run for their money. Yeah, that one will be on CBS. We expect Nance and Romo and the rest of the CBS top crew to be there. Let's jump back to the AFC for the time being. Pittsburgh and Baltimore, a classic AFC North matchup. Um, I mean, many thought that this game wouldn't account to anything. However, other, another result went their way. We'll get on to very shortly, which meant that the winner of this game was a real chance, and it was the Baltimore Ravens. Chris Boswell, another clutch kicker um, from 36 as time expires, giving the Pittsburgh Steelers 16-13 to 13 win and ultimately um, extending Big Ben's career by at least one week. Um, Gordon, you watched this one quite closely. Um, low scoring... Um, uh, you, you know, field goal kickers came into it. It was a real possession game. Uh, just really everything we've come to expect, I guess, from these two franchises over the last decade or so. Yeah, I mean, it was a typical AFC North, particularly Steelers and Ravens game. It feels like every game that we've seen from these two over the last almost five years has been this sort of defensive 
um, ugly field goals out of the running game. And it was exactly what we expected. Um, I think we all went into it thinking it was going to be Big Ben's last game. Um, I don't think anyone really gave them a shot to make it in. But obviously, they've managed to get this win here uh, late in the game. It, I mean, it was an ugly game. They did not play well at all. The offense struggled again. I mean, Ben throws, what, 240 yards in 44 attempts. Again, uh, the running game could not get going. Najee Harris after a really good week the week before. 11 for under 30. Benny Snell, 12 for 22. It's it's a horrible offense, uh, but they've somehow made it into the playoffs, even with the defense being a step down from where they were last year. I, I'm i still not entirely sure how they've made it in. Um, they've just managed to win enough games. It's what we've seen from them so often through the Tomlin and Ben era. They just they find ways to win, even if they're playing terribly. Um, the defense steps up at the right times. Uh, we should probably mention TJ Watt tied Michael Strahan's uh, single-season yeah. sack record. Uh, he tied it supposedly early in the game, but then they ruled it as a tackle for loss or something. Um, so then he lost it again, but then he tied it later on in the game. So technically, uh, if you counted the first one as well, he might have broken it, but obviously not. And you can't diminish that either. He's played, what, 15 games this year? So it's not like that was one of the 17-game seasons, so you can't count it. So congratulations to him, I guess. Uh, probably locking up the Defensive Player of the Year as well. Yeah, 22 and a half sacks. Uh, Well-deserved, I think, and I think he should win uh, a Defensive Player of the Year award. I mean, looking at the the um, drive charts here, punt, fumble, field goal, pick, pick, turnover on downs, that eight punts in a row, field goal, field goal, punt. It, it's very, as you say, defensively oriented, uh, oriented football. Um, but... Uh, when he needed to, Tyler Huntley again stepping up, especially running the football. 12 carries for 72 is what I, especially late in this game, the Ravens are driving. They need that field goal to tie it up at 13. Um, uh, they do ultimately Justin Tucker. I mean, talk about an automatic 46 yards away. Um, the Steelers, it's funny, actually get the ball back and get to about uh, midfield and then decide to punt the ball away, which I thought was very interesting. Fourth and one from their own 44-yard line with about 40 seconds to go. Um, I guess in that instance, Mike Tomlin not wanting to risk turning the ball over on downs and then giving Justin Tucker one of the game's great, um, one of the game's great kickers a chance, I guess, um, to win the game. In the end, that paid off because in overtime, the Ravens took their first and only possession, 23 yards. They punted. And then, as I mentioned, the Steelers, um, including a, was a fourth down conversion, a fourth and eight Gordo converting on um, Ben Roethlisberger to Ray Ray McLeod for 10 yards. That was the big play. Um, getting them well inside field goal range. Najee Harris running the ball, um, really using up that time. And then Chris Boswell. Um, I don't think many people will give the Pittsburgh Steelers a chance. They play at Kansas City on the Sunday night of the wild card round. But I think we have to give them some praise just for making the playoffs, considering where they have been and, you know, some of the performances they've dished up this year. Yeah, no, definitely. They found their way to go above 500 again. Um, they have stepped up in big moments when needed, uh, obviously. They do have that history against Kansas City this year. It was, what, 36 to 10 with that only touchdown being in garbage time. But, I mean, it's a new game. Uh, we've seen some upsets happen over the last couple of weeks. It, I mean, it definitely gives them a chance. I don't think they will win. I think it'll be a pretty boring game. I think Kansas City wins easily. But they're there. Um, all you've got to do is get there, and then it's almost like another season. You reset, um, and maybe we see something crazy happen. Maybe they have a chance. Indeed. Uh, as for Baltimore, they actually finished last in the division at eight and nine, a second losing season for John Harbaugh. But I mean, you can't really judge this season, can you? What I mean, 
Lamar Jackson misses a handful of games, all those injuries, the running back position during the season, offensive line woes. Um, we really, I mean, they missed the playoffs the first time in the Lamar Jackson era, but this was nowhere near close to the, the team the Ravens can put out on the on the field, you know, when they're fully healthy. Yeah, no, I mean, they were, what, eight and three? About, what, 12 Six weeks straight the losses. So, yeah, we, we all saw what they were capable of. Uh, this is a team that, I mean, even then they were horribly injured. It's just still with Lamar and with a couple other guys on defence, they were still managing to be, I think, the top seed or the second seed in the conference two-thirds of the way into the year. So if they even get remotely healthy next year, they're going to be right back up there. We know how good they can be. Harbour, obviously, it's an incredible job to get a, a roster that was this hurt, two eight wins. So if they get everyone back, they're going to be fine. Indeed. And one more point. Um, I've always been a bit negative on the Steelers this year. Uh, I mean, they don't win that game against the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football in the midpoint of the season, which um, was completely blown by the officials. They're not in the playoffs. Just thought I'd point that out. Um, just to appease the Bears fans there, have gone through a bit of a tough season. Okie doke. As it is, they are going to the playoffs. Congratulations. Um, and yes, Big Ben, we get to see him for one more week, whether or not that's a positive or a negative at this point. Um, the only reason that these two, that, that, that game was so interesting and that game meant so much is because the Indianapolis Colts, um, I mean, I'm going to say this is my fault. I'm going to get out there and say, Goro, I, um, you know, I said it, and every time I've said it so far this year, it's come back to bite me. I said, there's no way the Colts are losing. If, you know, if this happens, it'll be staggering. I mean, I said it before the Tennessee-Houston game earlier. I said it before the Buffalo-Jacksonville game, a couple of games involving the Jets. Um, and this week, the Colts were the victim. I also locked them up. So that should have been the real um, alarm bells ringing. They go down to Jacksonville. They hadn't won since 2014, but they were on a roll. They did lose the week before. But, um, you know, this was a 2-14 and was it two and 14 Jacksonville side uh, who just looked horrendous. They had possible MVP candidate in Jonathan Taylor. That, and uh, how do we explain this one, Gordo? The Jacksonville Jaguars win it, and really quite comfortably, 26-11. to 11, There was a late garbage time score for the Colts. No playoffs for Indianapolis in the most staggering of circumstances. Yeah, no, I mean, they were, you've got to say, one of, what, maybe the top three hottest teams heading into week 17. Obviously, last week they lose to the Raiders, I mean, that's sort of respectable considering that they are, um, the Raiders have made it into the playoffs in the end. So that's okay. I mean, even then, I think they were expected to win that. But this was a team that went from one and four to nine and six. They went eight and two over an 11 week stretch and missed the playoffs. Um, after beating Arizona, they had a 93% chance to make it in. Uh, they had seven Pro Bowlers, which was the most, I think, of any team, and they've somehow missed it. And I mean, the most damning thing here is the fact that they lost to a team whose fans dressed up as clowns yeah. to go to the game. That's it, It's just beyond belief what happened in Jacksonville. I mean, they had everything right there for them. They just had to beat the worst team in football to make it in the playoffs, and they didn't. They just completely fell apart on offense. I mean, there was a stat heading into the game that Carson Wentz hadn't thrown a pick on the road all year. I think that was a pretty worrying sign. You know that's going to happen at that point. But even then... And if he had thrown a pick, you would think, okay, yeah, they're still going to win maybe by 14 points now. And then they just completely fell apart. Um, Jacksonville, all credit to them here. I mean, that offense, that was probably the best performance we've seen from them for pretty much the whole year. Trevor Lawrence finally looked like pick one. He was incredible. There was a throw, 
I think like in the first half to Marvin Jones in the end zone, it was just incredible being pressured, running backwards and still making it. The Jags, I mean, they've sort of given their fans hope heading into next year, but the Colts, I mean, if you're a Colts fan, you're probably livid right now. I mean, you gave up the first round pick to get Carson Wentz. You're thinking, okay, then maybe he's enough to get us over the hump that Philip Rivers couldn't, that Jacoby Brissett couldn't, and instead you're worse off. And you don't have that first round pick. And the team that you gave it to that you expected to be terrible is now in the playoffs. It just, mm. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to dissect. First of all, yes, Trevor Lawrence looking like Dan Marino. 23 of 32, 2, 2, 3, 2 touchdowns, no picks. You're the expert on Trevor Lawrence, Gordo. I presume that's his best statistical day of the year. Um, and, I mean, you look at the stats. Who would have thought this Jacksonville outgained by almost 100 yards? They're better yards per play. They, I mean, 139 to 217, the passing yards. Completing 72% of his passes, 59 went. Uh, he didn't throw a pick. Only got sacked once, where the Jags got six sacks on Carson Wentz. Uh, they outrushed them, the Jags. They had more first downs. They had a bit of third down efficiency. This is just a complete and utter domination. They dominated the line of scrimmage, um, which was, I don't think, was anyone on anyone's bingo card coming in this week. Um, it's, uh, one of the, I mean, it's been the year of the upset, and Jacksonville have had two now. They beat the Bills, of course, famously, and now um, they knock out their right. I mean, it's odd. I think the AFC South is the division where we can least point towards traditional rivals who really hate each other. But, you know, perhaps this is one here. Jacksonville, you know, big uh, wins against Indianapolis now two weeks in a two years in a row. Um, but I have to agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Philadelphia fan, so I'm a little bit happy, obviously, at this one because we have the first round pick. That's obviously a better one now. They miss out on the playoffs. Carson Wentz goes to, as you mentioned, Indianapolis, doesn't make the playoffs, whereas Philadelphia, who everyone predicted to win two or three games, um, they're going to the playoffs. Uh, Miami, we have their first round pick. They're missing out on the playoffs. Obviously, they didn't get a win. But um, Howie Roseman, for all the heat he gets um, from Philadelphia fans, um, you'd have to say this is probably a winner for him, uh, the deal to get those first round picks um, in exchange for uh, Carson Wentz there. Okie dokie, Indianapolis, 9-8, and eight, no playoffs. I mean, who? I mean, Gorda, we know they're featured on the in-season hard knocks. I haven't been watching. I don't know if you have. But I think everyone's going to have to tune into this episode after they lose that game and how Frank Reich, who's been a really popular coach and inspiring coach all season, uh, again, with the behind-the-scenes coverage, how he, uh, you know, looks to pick up his team and re-motivate them for another season, um, coming off a, just a, a crushing loss like this one. Yeah, no, I think it'll be must-watch television at this point. Um, I just, I don't know how they rebound from something like this. I mean, I think I've seen a couple of Colts reporters saying this is one of the worst losses the franchise has ever had, and I think you got to agree. Um, you got to wonder now, quarterback going forward, Wentz, I think obviously isn't the answer at this point. No pick. Um, it, it just, it's the sort of thing they win this game. Okay, yeah, you're in the playoffs, you're going well, they're probably a real threat. They were probably going to win a wild card game, but instead, they're just sort of stuck now, and you don't know where they're going going forward. Um, they had a great points differential, they were pretty good for most of the year. Obviously, they started poorly, but it really felt like they would, I think you had them ranked as what the second seed a couple of weeks ago in the AFC. Mm, and yeah. I think that would have been a fairly popular opinion as well. That's not that much of a hot take. It's just, no. yeah, it's just a horrible way to end the season. We forget this team just beat up on the New England Patriots. I mean, it was, a, the score was a bit tighter towards the end of the game, but they dominated that team. And the Patriots were an eight game win streak coming into that game. 
Um, and yes, the record wasn't always the greatest, but you just felt like all they had to do was get in and they could compete. And then the last two weeks, uh, you know, first of all, to the Raiders, and then they think, oh, it's all right. You know, we've got another chance. Two straight winning in scenarios, uh, and they managed to drop them both. Absolutely stunning. Okay, so those results firmed up the playoff field, and this is the schedule for the wildcard round, super wildcard weekend, I should say, with the addition of the Monday night. And here it goes. The five-seed Raiders in the AFC at the four-seed Bengals kicks it all off, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. That'll be the number two teams. You'll have Mike Tirico and Drew Brees on it. Um, we'll get into it in a little more detail uh, on Friday, but 1991 was the last time these two met, um, and the Raiders won that. This is in the playoffs, of course. The, the Raiders defeated Cincinnati, and that started their 31-year playoff losing streak. They won the week before against Houston, and they have not won a playoff game since. Many think that this could be the year, but the Raiders are on a roll. The night of uh, Saturday, so it's Sunday afternoon, Australia time, the New England Patriots, the sixth seed at the Buffalo Bills, the three seed. Obviously, this is a 8.15 p.m., by the way, on the Eastern, Eastern time. On CBS, this will be Iron Eagle and Charles Davis, the two seed, uh, the two team for CBS. Um, obviously, we've seen this matchup twice, both very entertaining games. That will be must-see TV. The Sunday, the 16th of Jan, Monday, Australia time. It starts early, 1 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. Seven seed Eagles at two seed Buccaneers. Um, many think this is probably the biggest blowout game, but who knows? Anything can happen in the playoffs. The Eagles, um, they do lose, but they didn't play their starters week 18. The Buccaneers looking to repeat as Super Bowl champions. The middle game, we've already mentioned that the six seed Niners at the three seed Cowboys on CBS, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Dallas back in the playoffs. They host the Red Hot Niners team, a tradi traditional rivals back in the 90s. Um, going to be a great game. The night game, the seven-seed Steelers, the two-seed Chiefs, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. Arrowhead, Mahomes, Andy Reid and co. back in the playoffs. Again, like the Eagles-Bucks game, it looks like perhaps an easy draw, but anything can happen in the postseason. Uh, Pittsburgh went to Kansas City in 2016 and upset them in the divisional round. Finally, Monday, the first ever Monday night playoff game uh, on Jan 17th. That'll be Tuesday afternoon, Australia time. Five-seed Cardinals at four-seed Rams in the NFC, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time on ABC and ESPN. Another one, like the Bills-Pats matchup, we have uh, the third matchup because it's a divisional round. Uh, we talked about how good the first two were. Um, Gordo, that's our slate. All very uh, exciting, entertaining. Do you have one uh, that you're perhaps leaning towards as, uh, you know, the game you're most looking forward to when you, you know, from this early point earlier in the week? I think at this point there's a couple. Uh, I mean, that Pats-Bills game... We saw what happened in their first meeting this year, obviously, with the snowstorm and Mac Jones throwing the ball three times. Apparently, it's meant to snow pretty heavily in Buffalo. Um, so, who knows what happens there. We probably see Jones throw it a bit more, but that has the potential to be a great matchup. Division rivals in the playoffs as well is always fun. And then, I think, 49ers-Cowboys as well. It's a rivalry back from the 90s. Um, obviously, it hasn't really been that relevant for the past 20, 25 years, but... Obviously, those really good teams in the 90s, we see them come back up against each other once again. I think they match up against each other really well. Uh, I think it's the only one as well, the only matchup that we haven't seen in the regular season, so I don't think anyone knows what to expect. All the others, we've got sort of a preview for it at some point during the season, but this one, both teams coming in without having played each other. I think the 49ers defence against the Cowboys offence is going to be really fun to watch, and then... Uh, Vice versa as well. This Cowboys defense, I really want to see how they step up in a playoff game. Yeah, very interesting, actually. Um, 
five, as you mentioned, of the six games are playoff rematches there. So that's our slate. We'll move on to the rest of the games now. Excuse me. Uh, we will start with the New Orleans Saints. Um, you know, they needed a win and some help with the San Fran loss. They didn't get the San Fran loss. They did get a win by 10 points over their division rival, Atlanta Falcons. A 9-8 season. It's a winning season um, for a Saints team. 3-20, to 20, they live in this one. But, um, I mean, we mentioned it on the preview show. The credit goes to Sean Payton, Gordo, and, and that sentiment, you know, stays lasting for what he's done with this team and the injuries, Alvin Kamara, um, Teron and uh, Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick, the tackles. And of course, at the quarterback position, um, in fact, I think Trevor Simeon uh, was in this game as well as Hill, but uh, they get a win. It's in vain in the end, but they can be proud of what they've done this season. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you mentioned Hill not being in the game for part of it. I think he, they mentioned after the game, he's got a list Frank injury, which needs surgery on his foot. So even in the very last game of the year, they're still copying these injuries. It's just been a never-ending thing for them this year. And to be for Peyton to be able to get this team to a winning record and still with a chance at playoffs in Week 18, that's just an incredible coaching job. Um, I mean, they haven't been great. They haven't been that watchable for most of their games, but they've still been in them. Uh, the defence has really stepped up. The offence has done what they've needed to when they've needed to. I think it's enough to show Saints fans moving forward that they're in the right spot. We saw them with James Winston at the start of the year. They looked really good. Um, hopefully he comes back healthy at the start of next year and they can build on this. Absolutely. That defense, one of the best in the league. Alvin Kamara exploding against this uh, Falcons defense. 30 carries, 146 yards um, uh, you know, on the ground. Uh, and Trevor Simeon, 9 for 15, 71 yards, two scores. Taysom Hill, 7 for 9, 106 yards, uh, 7 yards, one score. Um, you know, pretty impressive stats from the quarterback there. Uh, as for Atlanta, possibly the final game uh, for Matt Ryan, 20 of 33, 216, one touchdown, one pick, as in final game uh, for the Falcons. They're 7 and 10 to close the season. What do we make of Arthur Smith's first year um, down in Atlanta, Gordo? I have no idea how to read it. I mean, they finished with the second worst point differential in the conference at negative 146, and yet they still finished with seven wins. Um there's been some positive signs. I mean, I guess Kyle Pitts on offense, Cordero Patterson, obviously. Yes, he's older, but he's still been fun to watch. And then on defense, they found an absolutely elite corner in AJ Terrell. But outside of that, I, I don't see much to get excited for on this team. Uh, we've had the reports come out in the last week or so that Kelvin Ridley is apparently looking for a trade and Atlanta will probably help him with that. Um, so then they're losing probably their what, best or second best player on offense behind Kyle Pitts. So... Yeah, it's a team sort of stuck in that middle period where they've got the old quarterback that they probably need to move on from, but there's so many other issues. It's just, it feels like the start of a rebuild and they're probably going to start it next year. It's an okay first year, I think, from Smith. He's done an okay job with the pieces he's been provided, but yeah, I don't know how much you can really make of this season for them. Yeah, I don't really think anyone really thought they were a playoff team coming in New Orleans, getting its ninth win on the season, uh, beating Atlanta by 10 points, 30 to 20, down in Georgia. Moving on, an NFC West divisional matchup. Arizona, they had a chance to clinch the division, um, of course, at the same time, the LA Rams and Niners game was going on. However, they weren't able to do so. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks ending their season on a high note, 7 and 10. They will finish after they win 38 to 30 in, I mean, what we predicted, Gordo, a high-scoring affair with plenty of points, um, you know, and even though Seattle out of the playoffs, still showing that they've got some fire on offense. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it was a fun game. Um, Arizona obviously had a fair bit to play for. But in the end, I mean, yes, it didn't really end up mattering. We just got a fun game between two divisional rivals. Um, I think Seattle, it's a positive way to end your year. Um, I'm not sure if it'll change anything in terms of personnel decisions or what happens with Russ in the offseason. It's just a fun way to beat a divisional rival to end the season. Um, they, there's some positive signs for them to take out of it. Uh, I think we've seen Rashad Penny really come along in this last month or so. He ran for another 190 yards. Um, but yeah, outside, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, again, showing there's still good deep threats. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't know how much you can take out of a game like this. Um, Seattle, obviously nothing to play for. Arizona, it was a win. Uh, I rely on the Rams' loss as well. But yeah, it, it was a fun game between two division rivals. It didn't really mean much. I think that's all you can really say about it. It's interesting. A lot of talk and some critical talk about Russell Wilson. Perhaps the Seahawks will be better off without him. We've talked a lot about how perhaps Carol, one of Carol or Wilson, won't be there next year. I mean, Russell Wilson, 15 for 26, 238, three touchdowns, one pick. Rashad Penny, another massive day on the ground, 23 carries, 190 and a score. Was this the day where perhaps Seahawks fans realised, well, hang on a second, uh, we're better off with Russell Wilson at quarterback? I mean, maybe. Um, I, any team that has Russ is all, or pretty much automatically going to be a contender, I think, as long as you've got the right staff around him, if he's got the coaches that are going to let him throw deep. And I mean, the thing is, the run game, it looks good for Seattle. I mean, obviously, here, Penny with 190, he's a free agent coming up, so uh, someone's going to probably give him a big contract, whether that's Seattle or if it's someone else, based off his last month. But, yeah, I think I still... I don't know. It's You've got to weigh up whether you want Russ now or you want the picks that can become something down the line. You'd have to think they get, what, at least two firsts for him from a team. Minimum. So, yeah, it, it's whether you want to win now or whether you want to retool the roster. And with someone, you've got Jamal Adams on that team that you've given up two first-round picks for and the contract. It seems like that's the sort of move that said they're all in, so you want to keep Russ. But we've seen them really struggle throughout the last year or so. So, I don't know what the move is, whether it is getting a new coaching staff. Obviously, they haven't fired Carroll yet. I think he was uh, in meetings with the um, brass today. I'm not sure what's come out of that. But, yeah, there's, it's going to be an interesting off-season, I think, for Seattle. Um, I don't think anyone's entirely sure what's about to happen. Um, it'll be fun. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I read somewhere that uh, Russell Wilson, with that win, eclipses Peyton Manning's mark for the most wins by a quarterback. Uh, in their first 10 seasons. So they've done a lot of winning, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson together. Will it continue? Only time we can, uh, may tell. Yes, I mean, I'm reading some reports here, Gorda, that we're not sure. He expects to be back in 2022, Carroll. Of course, he is the league's oldest coach. Just a point on Arizona. They are going to the playoffs, and congratulations to um, Kyle Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and so on. Um, the word is that JJ Watt back for the playoffs. Um, nine, uh, 7-0, they start... Four and six across their last um, 10 games. They finish one and four losses to the Rams, Lions, Colts, and Seahawks. Their only win in that period, Gordo, was against the Cowboys, and that was controversial. I mean, probably wouldn't have won if they'd had some, um, some better officiating towards the end there with that missed fumble with Chase Edmonds. They're going into the playoffs not really with the form, which is what you would ex what you would want as a team. Um, and they play the Rams on the road, another team who lost in Week 18. What do you make of their chances in the wild card round? I think they've got a decent one. 
I mean, we saw in the season series between the two, both away teams won. Uh, Arizona seems to have been better on the road than at home this year. Um, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Obviously, Kyler's first playoff game, Kingsbury's first playoff game, they're going to be less experienced in it than McVeigh. And I mean, Stafford, obviously, he's been in Detroit, but he still played in a couple of big games there. We know his struggles in them, but I think LA's still got to go in favourites into that. But I think Arizona's going to make a good fight of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we move on now um, to the New England-Miami matchup. Um, we talked a lot about how New England have trouble down in Miami, and this was no exception. Dolphins winning out. They'd already lost their playoff spot, but 33-24, to 24, pushing the Patriots to 10-7 and 7 on the season. The Dolphins secure a winning season, 9-8. and 8. Wasn't enough to keep around head coach Brian Flores. However, Gordo, I reckon this is the shock of the season. 9-8, and eight, they were 1-8. Um, the one and seven, excuse me. Um, they won those eight games in a row, and then, and then of course, one and one to finish the season. But um, three seasons at the helm, two winning seasons, but no playoff appearances. And that was enough for Dolphins owner Stephen Ross to pull the plug on the Brian Flores era in Miami. Yeah, I mean, I woke up this morning to this news, and it just, I couldn't believe it. Um, I mean, this is a team that since what, 2009, had one 10 or more win season before Flores got there. Uh, that was in 2016, obviously. The Adam, well, the first year under Adam Gase with Tannehill, they lost in the wild card to the Steelers. But outside of that, this team's been, what, seven, six, eight, six, six, five win team. Flores comes in his first year. I mean, yes, they went five and 11, but that was a team that I think most people had what, one or two wins at most. That year, that was one of the worst rosters I think we've ever seen assembled. And the fact that he managed to get them to five wins was an incredible achievement. Then next year, obviously, 10 and 6. This year, 9 and 8. I don't get it. I mean, yes, the offense has struggled at times. Yes, there's been the slow starts. But, I mean, this is a guy that's had two winning seasons in a row for a franchise that has struggled to get to them over the past, what, 20 years, really. And you fire him? I don't know. I mean... All the talk this morning was, okay, they're doing it for Harbaugh, but then apparently they've come out and said, no, that it's not. we're not looking at getting him in. Um, yep. I mean, Flores probably gets another job potentially head coaching somewhere. Mm. Um, before this, I mean, no one would have thought he was available, but now I'm sure he's going to have interviews lined up. Jacksonville potentially could go for him. Uh, I think he'd be good up in Minnesota, potentially. It, there's openings that he could, he'd probably really suit. Now, I don't know why this happened, um, whether it is something uh, with the whole tour debate, um, there were all the rumors that he and tour didn't get along or whatever, or that he wanted, or, or that he wanted Herbert over tour or something like that in that draft, and that he wasn't happy with the draft pick or whatever. I'm not sure. There's all these rumors flying around that uh, he and tour didn't get along, but even then, I mean, tour has probably shown enough to um, keep him going. The line's been the real issue there. I'm not sure how much you can blame Flores for that. Yeah, it's an interesting one. First of all, yes, Stephen Ross in that presser essentially said that he's not going to be the one to take Harbour away from University of Michigan, whereas the head coach, um, they're both uh, alums from that university. Um, absolutely right on the success. Flores back-to-back winning seasons. The first time the franchise has had them since 2002 and 2003. Nobody saw this coming. I don't care what they say. Um, and just absolutely, and I t- totally agree he will get looks at head coaching jobs. Uh, the story I heard in terms of power struggle was with Chris Greer, the general manager, who will remain. Um, of course, there's a lot of talk that Brian Flores' 
firing leads only two African-American head coaches in the league. That's Mike Tomlin and David Cully. Um, but again, there may still be a chance for him to be rehired as a head coach with another team. Now he would have to be at the top of the list, maybe for someone like a Jacksonville a team, because, you know, he came in, they were pretty rock bottom this team uh, and he lifted them to a winning record in just his second season. Uh, moving across to the Patriots. We'll get to the game in a second, Gordo. They lose this game. Um, Mac Jones doesn't have a great day. And you leave aside that Jacksonville blowout uh, last week. They lose to the Bills the week before, and then they lose to the Colts. That's a, a one and three finish of the year. Cause for concern, or um, you know, are they still one of the one of the um, more dangerous wildcard teams? I mean, on their day, I think they're still a really good team. We've seen what the offense can do. Um, blew out the one seed, Tennessee, thirty-six to thirteen at one point. Um, they obviously beat the Bills the week after that as well. So they've got the ability to win these games. It's just, I think, as we expected, Matt Jones, it's just a rookie quarterback being inconsistent. It, it seems like they really they were playing so well heading into that bye. And then they hit the bye week. And after that, they've come out a bit flat. Um, I'm not sure if that had anything to do with having a week off, disrupting that momentum. But, yeah, since then, the offense, I mean, yeah, taking out that Jacksonville game, I mean, they haven't been great. Um but I think they, they've got enough there to turn it around. Um, I'm still pretty confident they can make a good contest in Buffalo. I don't think they'll win. But, yeah, I mean, any playoff game really this year is a success, I think, for this team. With a rookie quarterback, with that turnover, it seems like it was sort of a wild card was really this team's ceiling this year. And to be in contention for the division this late in the season was a real accomplishment in itself. So the wild card spot, even if they lose, I think it's still a good year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming from from where they came. Um, as as for this game here, God, I mean, looking 109 yards passing for two, but again, a rushing game and a good defense for Miami doing the job. Uh, whoever comes in and takes over the head coach, that's got to be very appealing. This Miami team, uh, you know, straight into a bona fide contender. Yeah, no, you'd have to think so. This defense is good enough to win games. I think the question marks are just still this offense, whether Tua is the guy moving forward. Um, Obviously, he had that really bad game against Tennessee last week. But outside that, I think he's done enough to show he's still got a future in this league, at least another season's worth. It's it's just, it seems to have been this off-field stuff with the franchise might have affected the on-field play this year. Uh, they've got to get that cleaned up, whether it is that power struggle, whether it is disagreements between the head coach and the GM. They've got to fix that. And until that happens, I don't see them going forward. Yeah, a couple of points there. Number one, um, all the talk about Deshaun Watson, you know, waived his no-trade clause, might have gone to them, they didn't get a deal done. Apparently, he's a big fan of Brian Flores, so perhaps there's no chance of that happening anymore. And as you mentioned, Tua has been very impressive this year. Also, I'd have Eric Bieniemy at the top of the list if I were the Dolphins. About time he got a head coaching job. He's good with, um, you know, uh, teams that have success, and this is a team that has had uh, more success than failures over the last couple of years. Um, another African-American head coach. He goes down there. I think he pairs well with Tua Tagovailoa, um, and, uh, you know, someone who I think is long overdue for a head coaching job. Um, Eric Bieniemy would be at the top of my list. He's already out for interviews with some other jobs, but, uh, yes, um, a big chance there for him to get a head coaching gig. The Dolphins, shocking everyone, firing Brian Flores. They'll be on the lookout for a new head coach after they defeat my uh, New England in week 18 uh, by the score of... 33 to 24. Okie dokie. Moving on 
Um, we're going to go to the AFC, some games that had one playoff team uh, that clinched or, or firmed up a spot. We'll start in Houston, where Tennessee was a lot closer than they would have liked, got a 28 to 25 in the end. Um, and I mean, yes, Tennessee clinched the one seed, but I want to talk about Houston here. Another game where uh, impressive from Davis Mills, 23 of 33, 301 yards, three touchdowns, no picks with no running game. Um, they just wouldn't lay down and die. I mean, they had a couple of last quarter touchdown drives um, uh, and a couple of touchdowns to, to Danny Amendola. Uh, had a massive day. Um, there's a lot to like about this Houston squad. David Cully, his future yet remains undecided. He's pretty confident, it seems, that he'll be back. And I think we have to agree on this podcast, Gordo. We like the job that he's done, and we certainly think he deserves to be back for a second year. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, four wins with a roster this bad. I think that's a massive overachievement, if anything. Um, he's been really impressive this year. I mean, I know that the offense hasn't performed at times, but I mean, with the talent that's on here, it's really Brandon Cooks and a bunch of undrafted guys, it seems at this point, and maybe David Johnson, who hasn't been good for five years. So, yeah, I mean, the job he's done to get them to these four wins, and they've been competitive in some games. They've beaten the Titans once, so they've taken down a contender. They've been competitive here. I think it's enough to keep his job. Um, and I mean, Davis Mills, you don't want this to disrupt his de- development. I think we've seen enough this year to say that he deserves another year starting. Um, and I don't think you'd want to change up too many uh, coaches or coordinators or anything on him. Um, give him a couple more weapons or maybe a new lineman to block for him or something from the draft. They've got pick three. There's going to be someone there. I think they're in reasonably good shape. Moving forward, uh, they've been competitive. They've done enough to show that they're not as bad as what everyone thought at the start of the year. Absolutely. And I think he was quoted saying, give Nick Casario, the GM, a chance to add some players for agency to draft. They'll have a high draft pick. Um, I believe that's the three or four overall draft pick. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's all positive from that perspective. The other side, the Tennessee Titans... Look, they get a win here. They're the number one seed, but it doesn't feel like a lot of people are still, you know, not talking about them, Gordo. People are talking about the Chiefs or they're talking about the Bengals, talking about the Bills, the Pages. They're kind of slipping under the radar. And I think that's perhaps, you know, the way they like it. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, a lot of people are still maybe don't pay attention to them as much with Derek Henry out. It seems like he really was the main draw card on this team. But from all reports, he's coming back. And they've got the week off, so he could be ready for that divisional round. Um, and who knows, maybe, I mean, you never want to see someone get hurt, but maybe that time off's a blessing in disguise. They were using him, you could argue, almost too much at the beginning of the year, towards the end of last year. He was pretty much that whole offense. A few weeks off, they've still managed to get the one seed. He comes back um, with that rest, having not really been hit for, what is it, eight weeks, ten weeks? By the time that game's played, who knows? They could be really dangerous moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Just looking up the NFL draft order, for, it looks like the Texans have the, what is it, the, the fifth overall pick there. So, um, you know, Battleville picks there. Um, the To your New York teams at three and four, and then Detroit at two and Jacksonville. Despite, you know, winning that game, it was kind of a double delight, double uh, dip treat for them because they won the game and also with the Detroit Lions win, uh, held onto that number one overall pick. Oh, no, it's the three, Nate, excuse me, for the Texans. They will be number three. They are tied record-wise with both the New Yorks, but uh, um, uh, based on um, 
Scheduling, they finish uh, with their number three overall pick. Okay, let's move to Casey at Denver. It was a Saturday game. It kicked off week 18 and pretty much typical Denver. Uh, the last game of the Vic Fangio era fired the following morning, Gordon, but um, with the lead, with the position to extend, and then the offense just, you know, turnover, run back for a touchdown, and it's got to be painful being a Denver Broncos fan. No playoffs again. What's that? Six consecutive years now from memory. Um, and, you know, a sour taste, Vic Fangio. He had a good defense, but he could just never get the one position that's the quarterback position right, and it's cost him his job. Yeah, no, and I mean, you look at the stats, Drew Locke, he really didn't do much again to say that he's got a future in this league. Maybe it's somewhere as a backup. Uh, I mean, he's still young, but 50% completions, 160 yards, no scores. It's really been the run game. It's carried them almost all year. But, I mean, it's what failed them at the worst possible time. I mean, driving late in the game, you're up a point. You get the ball down to, what was it, Kansas City nine-yard line. And you're up one with eight minutes left. And then Melvin Gordon fumbles. And then it's recovered by Nick Bolton. They run it all the way back for a touchdown. I mean, that really ended the game. Uh, then you could argue Denver settling for the field goal at the end of their next drive also hurt them, whether you go for the touchdown there or whether you're just trying to convert on fourth down there instead of settling and giving the ball back to Mahomes. But, yeah, just a couple of costly late mistakes really hurt Denver here. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I didn't watch this game. I was at work, but I was going to ask you this one. Fourth and nine from the 13. If you know you're going to be fired, Vic Fangio, why not go for it? Don't settle for the field goal because they didn't see the ball again. The Chiefs ran out the clock. Um, what is there to say? I mean, as I keep saying, Vic Fangio has always had a good defense, but now he's been fired. I think he's right at the top of the list for teams, defensive coordinators, if he, of course, decides to not take a year off. But um, how do you rate Denver, I guess, in terms of the uh, head coach vacancies? Is this a good program, better than somewhere like the Miami Dolphins or somewhere like the Minnesota Vikings? I mean, again, as we've said so often with Denver, the rest of the roster is really impressive. I love what they've got going there. It's just that they don't have the most important position. They still don't have that quarterback. I don't think anyone on the roster is going to be the quarterback of the future. I mean, Locke, I think we've seen enough. This is what year three from him, and there's still the same mistakes. Bridgewater, I mean, he's he's a good bridge quarterback. Uh, he'll never be a guy that's probably going to take the playoffs. He'll, he's good for, what, 3,000 yards, maybe 20 touchdowns at most. In a season, he's not going to be a game changer. They really need that quarterback. And I don't know, until they get that, I'm not sure how attractive this opening is. Um, obviously, a coach might see it as a chance to bring in a quarterback of his own, uh, whether that's a current backup, whether it's trading for someone. Uh, if it is Russell Wilson, for example, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, although even now I don't know if he'd be enough. It's just, it's an attractive roster. It's just no quarterback it makes it so much harder to judge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you could tell Vic Vanjo in his post-match presser, I reckon he probably knew he was gone. Um, and he was asked, you know, what separates this team from the other three in the division? <laughs> he just said, well, they've all got good quarterbacks. So uh, a bit of frustration there, but he's absolutely right. Um, across to the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, 27 to 44, 227 in a couple of touchdowns. They're 12 and five. They've won 12 games in, uh, what's that, four consecutive years now. Um, Mahomes stats this year, I mean, 37 to 13, after all the, the um, you know, 4,839 yards, a quarterback rating of 98 and a half, all the talk about Kansas City slowing down. Yes, that loss at Cincinnati is costly. They don't get that first round by, but um, 
you know, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he may still not, not have to play in a way playoff game if they win, depending on what happens with Tennessee, Gordo. But uh, the fact of the matter is the Chiefs are still very deadly in the AFC. Yeah, no, I mean, we were all sort of questioning them at the start of the year and they were the mistakes that they were making. They were doing some things horribly to start the year. Obviously, the turnovers, the defence was abysmal to start the season. Uh, then they brought in Melvin Ingram. And that, that I'm not sure how much it, just him coming in changed that defence, but he's had a massive impact on them. Uh, he was the one that forced Melvin Gordon to fumble at the end of that game. Uh, and really since bringing him in, uh, this team, and particularly the defence, has completely changed. So, yeah, they're, I think they're probably my pick to come out of the AFC at this point. Uh, I think they're better than the Titans. I think they're better than the Bills. Um, this is still probably the best team in this conference, even if they are the two seed. Yeah, long way to go, but um, I had Packers Chiefs uh, about six weeks ago when we did a show. I think I'd stick with that. Uh, where we currently are. Kansas City winning on to the playoffs. So this is Cam- uh, Andy Reid's ninth year, eight playoff appearances. And of course, that sixth straight AFC West title just continued success. Who wouldn't want that level of success? Excuse me. Uh, with their team. Okie dokie. That was a win to kick off the weekend. We move next to Buffalo. All the Bills needed to do to be back to back. AFC West champions was defeat the lowly New York Jets. We talked about how um, the Bills, the other way around, the Bills uh, prevented the Jets from making the playoffs a few years ago. But in recent times, the Bills had had the better of this rivalry. And this was no exception. 27 to 10. um, Two touchdowns, 240 yards for Josh Allen. um, You know, Devin Singletree, 88 yards and a score. Not much uh, for the Jets, Gordo. Pretty stock standard game. The Bills win. They're on to the playoffs. Yeah, no, again, um, a team that throughout the season has had some issues. Uh, the running game has been a problem, but that's actually really started to get going the last few weeks. Um, they've started to call more runs. They've gotten Devin Singletary involved. And I mean, it's coinciding with a few really good wins for them. Uh, so if they get that going through the playoffs, if Josh Allen does have that help on offense. I think they can potentially take it up to the Chiefs. Um, again, a turnover-free game from Ellen, which is something you love to see. He's still being able to run it really well on the ground. Defence, I mean, they lost Trey White in the middle of the year, but I think even without him, they're still playing well enough to support the offence. Um, yeah, the Bills just did what needed to be done here. A, a, a comfortable win at home um, against a pretty bad team who was just looking forward to the offseason. Yeah, I don't know what to make of the Bills. On one hand, uh, you know, if they win, they're the three seed, right? So they go straight to Kansas City rather than Tennessee, which is probably the easier matchup in the divisional round. So, um, I mean, I think New England's as hard as it gets for a first-round opponent, but Kansas City pretty tough, I mean, presuming they win for a second-round opponent. So um, they've done a lot of hard work. They're back in the playoffs. This is, what, the fourth time already? Gee, time flies because they went against the Jags back in, what was that, 2017? They lost to the Texans in 2019. They won finally last year. They won um, two playoff games, in fact, and they lost the championship game. And then they're back here this year. But uh, impressive for Sean McDermott, uh, Josh Allen and co. Not much more to say about that game. Uh, Cincinnati at Cleveland's next up. Cincinnati will have the four seed uh, from memory. Um, Well, they couldn't go any lower than that. They rested starters. Brandon Allen playing. They lose uh, to the uh, Cleveland Browns 16 to 21. I believe it was a bit more than that. A late touchdown, two, uh, late touchdown for the 
Bengals, but the, uh, the Browns able to run the ball out behind. Guess who? Case Keenum, Gordon. We've been saying it for weeks. Play Keenum, they get the win. The Browns do. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably still could have won this game with Mayfield starting, considering who the Bengals were sitting, pretty much treating it as a meaningless game. But it's going to add some interesting discourse to the Baker debate, I think, over the offseason. It sounds like they're going to keep him. Um, I think I've seen reports saying they're still looking to move forward with him, but it's such a tough situation in Cleveland right now. Um, I don't think anyone's entirely sure where it's headed, but yeah, no, Keenum uh, did enough, I think, to keep his backup job, whether it is in Cleveland or somewhere else, he's still a solid option if your quarterback goes down hurt. So yeah, it's, it's, I think this was just a preview for next year for Cleveland, see what they've got in a couple of players. Uh, if Keenum is worth keeping around as a backup, uh, Dionis Johnson had another really nice game following on from his massive night out against Denver earlier on in the year. But, yeah, you can't take too much away from this game considering who Cincinnati was playing. Yeah, Cincinnati finished the year 10-7. and 7, Good enough for the North Championship, the fourth seed. They're obviously hosting the Raiders to kick off Wild Card Weekend on Saturday US time. The Browns, 8-9. Bitterly disappointing season considering the high standards they set last year. Um... And, yes, let's move on. Three NFC games now. Green Bay travelling to Detroit. Uh, we've got a half out of Aaron Rodgers, and we've got a half out of uh, Jordan Love. Safe to say, not quite what Packers fans were looking for, at least from the Love perspective, Gordo. Um, a high-scoring, late, ent- uh, entertaining game. And in the end, it's Lions, 37-30. to 30, Get some late-season cheer. Um, Costs them the number one overall pick in the end, but I don't think Detroit fans will matter mind that much. They get a win over the old rival Packers, thirty-seven to thirty. Um, but I guess from the Green Bay perspective, they already had the number one seed locked up, so this was just another chance to see love. But I'm I'm predicting you wouldn't have liked what you saw. It's such a tough one with him. Um, I mean, he looked pretty good outside of the couple of throws that turned into picks. Even then, one of them was tipped at the line and then dropped by Amari Rogers, and the other one was pretty much just a Hail Mary attempt almost at the end of the game. So, I mean, there were promising signs from him. Um, realistically, this was a fun game. I don't think anyone's taking too much from it. Uh, love, I think we all expected a stat line, something like this, uh, just over 50%, 130 yards and a score. The two picks obviously don't look great on stats, but the actual throws themselves weren't necessarily his fault. Uh, the worry here... It was mostly the starting defence playing for most of the game. They still gave up 37 points. Um, I think it should change after a week off. Devondre Campbell was missing. He's obviously a massive piece. And for that divisional round, it sounds like Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith are both going to be playing. So it's going to be a much different defence, I think, in the playoffs that we're going to see. So I think, realistically, the Packers are pretty happy with this game. Uh, Yes, it was a loss. Yes, it was to Detroit. But... In the end, it was a fun game. I think most fans enjoyed watching it. High scoring, some trick plays from Detroit. They tried to fake punt. There were some reverses. There were some wide receiver throws. It, it was fun. I think that's pretty much all you can say. Yeah, indeed, absolutely. It reminds me of the old days with Matthew Stafford where he'd be in those shootouts with Rodgers with two very poor defences. Um, it's week 18 this time. Detroit uh, parting ways with Anthony Lynn, uh, offensive coordinator after the season, essentially Dan Campbell saying it wasn't a good fit. Uh, an interesting season um, for the Lions, 3-13-1. Um, they got some wins, I guess you could say. It started off pretty horribly. I, I think it's really hard to have an objective look at where they're going in comparison to 
uh, a, a, a Jags team or a Jets team, but they clearly don't have the quarterback and they might not get one in the draft. Um, Tim Ball and, and, uh, and um, Jared Goff, certainly not the answer, but uh, I mean, it's hard to leave aside the quarterback position, but looking elsewhere, are they further ahead than those two teams I mentioned in the AFC or whereabouts do we have them? I think so. I mean, their last three games have been three and three. With or Their last six games have been three and three with wins against the one seed in the NFC, the five seed in the NFC, and the Vikings team that finished around 500. So it's been a pretty promising end to the season. Uh, I mean, Goff has actually played pretty well over the last what month or so, even since the bye. Really, he's actually been pretty good. Um, yeah, I think there's enough signs there. Um, Eamon Rasson Brown has really stepped up over the last month and has been incredible at receiver. Um, obviously, they've got enough, I think, on the offensive line. They've got Frank Ragnow. They've got uh, Panay Sewell. Um, they've, they've got enough pieces, I think, to show that they're probably in a better spot than the Jags, probably the Texans as well. And I think Dan Campbell's the guy at head coach. The record's not great, but some of the play calling early in the year wasn't great, but I really think he's got the full support of the locker room at this point. Um, since, really, since he took over the play calling from Anthony Lynn, it's been a lot better, I think. Um, Detroit, they're in a good spot. They've got two first rounders, obviously. They get to bring in potentially an elite edge rusher that, with their first pick, and then they get pretty much a free shot with the next one, whether that is a quarterback or whether they just go with Goff next year. He was okay. This year, he wasn't great, but he wasn't awful for the second half. So, They've got good pieces in place. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers ends the year 37 touchdowns, four picks, 4,115 yards, 111.9 quarterback rating, 69% completion percentage. Mm, certainly, I would still think a little ahead of Brady in the pecking for MVP. That's where we'll go next. Carolina at Tampa Bay. Uh, essentially, just Tampa Bay. We're looking to win uh, and have some help. Uh, to get the two seed. That's exactly what happened. They defeat the lowly Carolina Panthers 41-17. to 17. Tom Brady, three touchdowns, 300 yards. Seems like he's doing that every single week this season. Uh, and his stats for the year, 43 touchdowns, 12 intercepts, 102 rating, so significantly less than Rodgers, uh, 5,300 yards, 68% completion percentage. I think I heard Bruce Arians saying after the game that it's a travesty if Brady does not win MVP. I don't think you'll agree with that, Gordo, but um, I guess all that can be said here is that, um, I guess, yeah, Tampa Bay win and no one wants to have, has, thankfully no one has to watch Carolina play anymore. Yeah, no, I think that's the biggest thing here. Um, I mean, obviously I'm biased in the MVP race, but I think it comes down to whether you value volume or efficiency. Brady obviously has all the stats, but he's thrown the ball so much more than Rodgers this year. Rodgers has all the passer rating and uh, like touchdown percentage, interception percentage and all that. Brady's obviously got the attempts, completions, yards, touchdowns. It is just going to come down to whether you want volume or you want efficiency. Uh, either one, I think, would be pretty deserving of it this year. It's just, yeah, it's going to come down to what you value more. Um, Brady's obviously had an incredible year. They've both been throwing to guys who, I mean, Brady's obviously been missing Godwin for the latter part of the year. Evans has been in and out. Gronk's been in and out. We obviously know what Antonio Brown's done all the year. Um, then Rogers has also had receivers miss time. The offensive line's been banged up. Either one would be a deserving winner at this point. Uh, 
just taking a look at the uh, kind of box score and stats for the Panthers. And Sam Darnold, 29 of 42, 219, two touchdowns, one interception, uh, one pick. And Brandon Zilstra through what uh, I know this is late. We're recording this very late Australian time. Is, is this some random quarterback I've never heard of on the list, or is this a, a uh, wide no, receiver? He's a receiver from, yeah, he's a receiver. Thought oh, they would, they'd really scrape the bottom of the battle. I was like, Brandon Zilstra, but okay, fair enough. So Donald gets the start, and I mean, whew, people talk about. I mean, the the, the Giants are probably the one who's uh, just have been the most dreadful team in the last month or so, Gordon. But the Panthers aren't far behind them. Honestly, I thought there was a higher chance of Matt Rule getting fired than there was Brian Flores, but um, seems for now that uh, Rule's safe for another year. Yeah, no, it seems like it. Um, I I wouldn't say there's been much has shown in the last month. There was what a almost twenty point loss to Buffalo, an absolute blowout against Tampa, a loss against the injured Saints, and then another blowout against Tampa. So there's not much there. It offers hope moving forward. The quarterback of the future is not on the roster. Um, Donald. He did this a few times with the Jets as well. He put in a decent performance to end the season. I mean, here, 219, two scores. They have him for next year. I think they've got to start him probably at the start of next year if they picked up that option. But, yeah, they're just in no man's land at this point. I, the, the defense is okay, um, but the offense is really going to hold them back. There's been the reports that they'd be open to trading Christian McCaffrey. Whether that's real or not, I'm not sure. They should probably look into it. Um, considering how injured he's been, even he is obviously important to that offense, but it's just that contract, I think, is really going to hurt them if they don't move on from it. Yeah, absolutely. And we close out well, actually, we don't close out. There's two games after this one, but they're not really worth mentioning. We'll go with Dallas and Philadelphia. It was the second game on the special Saturday edition with uh, ESPN. Um, we talked, I mean, Gordon and I weren't sure which team would be playing starters, which weren't ultimately Philadelphia don't. Dallas uh, mostly do, which allows, in most typical of Dallas fashion, they win 51 to 26, go on as if they just won the Super Bowl. I mean, Dak Prescott gets five touchdowns against Eagles backups, 295 yards, five touchdowns, 21 completions on 27 attempts, breaks Tony Romold's record in the process. But um, this, for me, was the... There was a lot of talk order that, you know, with week 18, a lot of these records will be broken and they should have a little asterisk next to them. This has got to be a clear one. Like, is it really that? I mean, I know I'm a Philly fan, but is it that much of an achievement to break a record with an extra game against backups? <laughs> this sounds like a very upset Philadelphia fan right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Dak did miss that game against the Vikings. So I think the ones that broke it when they played the 16 games, maybe you can look at it and say, yeah, that's okay. But I mean, it's like any other thing. I mean, we compare it to records that were set in, what, 14-game seasons and 12-game seasons from the 70s and 60s. Okay, eventually, we'll just look at it as, yeah, that's the record. But, yeah, right now, obviously, it feels like, okay, do we count it or not? But over time, we'll end up saying, yeah, that counts. And, yes, it's a very upset Philadelphia fan. It doesn't matter we're in the playoffs and we're playing backups. You don't like losing to Dallas twice in the year, blown out twice. Um, Dallas sweep the NFC East. I think only three teams have done that in the entire history of the current NFC East and Philadelphia were the last one in 2004. The Eagles did it. Um, uh, yeah, Gardner Minshew plays, two touchdowns, a pick, 186 yards. Only thing I was happy about, we kept up that 100-yard rushing streak, alive, 149 yards at 4.5 per carry. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think. We're playing the Bucks, right, with the seven seed. They're the two seed. Trying to think about... Would I rather have played the Rams? I don't really think it matters at this point. We're in. 
Um, I don't think it matters who we play. We're going to need to play very, very well to have a chance. I think we will lose. But um, I guess Dallas is more important here because they, with this win and the Rams loss, they moved to the three seed. They're playing the Niners rather than the Cardinals. I mean, to be honest, I'd probably rather play the Cardinals. But um, what do you make of that one? You know, if you were given the choice, would you rather be playing the Niners who are on a roll or um, this Cardinals side who's lost three from four? Dallas will be playing the Niners. I mean, I've got bad playoff memories against both of them. So, I mean, I'd be terrified against either. Um, mm. If I was Dallas, I think I'd want... I don't know, they matched up pretty well against the Cards a couple of weeks ago. They came within, well, really, that fumble call that wasn't at the end of the game. Who knows what happens if that gets overturned. But I think they're good enough to beat both of them, but when they're playing well. I mean, it's just... It depends on what Dallas team turns up. If it is the one that turned up against Denver or the first half against Arizona... We've seen them put in some real bad performances this year, but at their best, I think they can beat just about anyone in the NFC. So, yeah, it's just going to come down to whether they decide to really come out and play well or not. Um, I think they can beat either. I think they'd rather play the Cardinals. At this point, the 49ers look a lot more dangerous, at least to me. But you play who you play. Either way, they probably have to come up against one or the other or a better team down the line. It's going to have to be Green Bay or Tampa or potentially LA again. Yeah, absolutely. Excuse me. Um, Okie dokie. We move on to, well, I mean, two games that didn't feature any playoff teams. The only two will start in Minneapolis. The Bears were on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. They lose 17 to 31. Minnesota 21 unanswered points in the final quarter. They get the win. Not enough to save Mike Zimmer's job after an eight and nine season. He's gone after eight seasons at the helm in Minneapolis. And also Rick Spielman, who's from memory, been with the association since 2006, officially as GM since 2012. A clearing of house in Minnesota, um, the seventh longest head coach uh, at the time of his firing in terms of tenure, Zimmer, but uh, did feel like the game had gone past in the last couple of years. Gordon, the defense wasn't what it used to be. Um, and, he, you know, now Minnesota on the lookout for a new head coach. Yeah, no, I think we all saw this one coming. I think we saw both coming in the end with Nagy going as well. Uh, it, it was pretty much just a game of two coaches who I think both knew that they were probably gone. Um, both press conferences after the game really sounded like, yeah, they were resigned to what was going to happen to them. So, I mean, it, they went out, the Vikings won by two scores. Uh, there was a pick six in there on Andy Dalton. Um, it was a pretty bad showing from the Bears' offense. The Vikings really stepped up. Cousins, again, I mean, I don't know what they do with him next year. 250 yards, three scores. I mean, it's the most Cousins stat line ever. He didn't turn the ball over. He threw the three scores. He threw for a good amount of yards. The running game run for almost six yards per carry. Jeff, two receivers go over 100 yards. They've got so much talent on this team. They should have been so much better this year. I think it's the only way to put it, and that's why Mike Zimmer's not going to be there anymore. They've got the guys there. Jefferson, Emir Smith-Marset's really come on. KJ Osborne's been pretty good. Obviously, you got Delvin Cook. Kirk Cousins is still a decent quarterback. Um, this is not an 8-9 team. I think it should be that simple. This team should have been in the playoffs. I think most people would agree on that. So, Zimmer, I think you're right. I think the game probably has passed him. Whether he gets a job maybe as a coordinator somewhere, uh, that's a possibility. But I could also see him just retiring. And just saying, yeah, that's enough. Yeah, and fair enough. Um, the Bears, you mentioned it, also firing Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace. Nagy definitely saw coming 
pace was a little bit unsure. Um, I've obviously been there since the John Fox days. And, uh, George McCaskey, who is the, um, I think it's George, is that right? Or Michael, there's two of them. I always get them mixed up. Yeah, George McCaskey, who's the current president uh, and chairman, excuse me, of the Bears. I don't know if you saw this, a bizarre press conference where he was calling a former Bears offensive lineman a liar for making an accusation that he said he'd offer him $15 an hour to be a consultant on the offensive line. Uh, it's becoming farcical. Ted Phillips is the president. Um, he's had a lot of power. Not a lot has gone right for this Bears organization, let's be real. I mean, they had that NFC Championship appearance in 2010. They had um, the Super Bowl appearance in 2006, and otherwise they've had bugger all this century. Nagy goes, and is another team with an opening, Gordo, They've got talent on the defensive side of the ball. They've got a young quarterback, but um, I think it is desirable. And they've already put their, um, I, I know at least da Brian Dable and Leslie Fraser among a long list of names, they've already said that they're going to interview. Yeah, no, I think uh, Harbour was one of the first, or the Bears were the first one that re was really linked to Harbour as well. So they've got the interest there. I mean, you mentioned Justin Fields. Obviously, I think he's a real attractive piece to any coach coming in. You see the talent that he's got, the talent that, I mean, Daniel Mooney went for a thousand yards this year. You've got David Montgomery on that offense as well. Um, and then the defense, I mean, there's still enough there. I think you get Khalil Mack back next year. Robert Quinn's just set the uh, single season sack record for Chicago. Yes, they're older, him and Mack, but even then, I think there's still enough there for it to be a pretty good destination. I don't see them competing next year, even if they get a great coach in. But a couple of years down the line, I think they're in for a real shot, as long as they get this higher right, which is, I think, almost 20 years really you see this cycle of they maybe have one good year um struggle again fire one good year and then they just willing to break that cycle and i mean you've got to just wait and see what happens at this point yeah indeed um as for the uh who they've looked to interview they've requested for brian dable and leslie fraser both the bills coordinators and doug peterson so far for the general manager position um there's three people they have two from the browns one from the Colts. they have uh, asked to speak with uh, the Jags obviously got a head start they've got a bunch of people including Daryl Bevel, Todd Bowles, Jim Corbell, Matt Eberflus, Nathaniel Hackett, Brian Leftwich, Kellen Moore, Bill O'Brien, Doug Peterson and Dan Quinn obviously Peterson also on the list for the Bears um, and the Dolphins have only requested Dable so far uh, the Broncos, Bienemy, Gannon, Glenn, Hackett, Mayo, Moore, O'Connell and Quinn. Dan Quinn an interesting one only one year with the um, with the Cowboys after being fired um, by the Falcons already back on the radar as a head coaching candidate. Okie dokie. Finally, Washington at the New York Giants. We, we arrive at, um, gee, what a sorry, sad bunch the Giants are. I know, again, this is a Philadelphia team, uh, Philadelphia fan talking here, but oh my God, this team, um, 22 to 7, the final. Washington beats. Uh, the Giants there, what, 4-13 and 13 to finish the season. And somehow, Gordo, Joe Judge at this point is still the head coach. Yeah. I don't know what's going on at the moment in New York. It, it felt to me like that the time when he called back-to-back -back quarterback sneaks on second and third down in the first half was, to me, a coach that knew he was going to be gone. Well, that's the sort of move you make when you're, you've given up or whatever. But for some reason, they're probably going to keep him. It, it, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, Dave Gettleman, what, resigned today. So, I mean, retired, some change. I believe, is the retired. official uh, line. All right, retired. I, but 
I mean, even then, I don't know how much it's going to affect things. Um, it's just a horrible situation they're in right now. Um, I think they misread where they're at, giving Kenny Golday that contract. So that's a lot of their cap room taken up. Um, I, I can somehow see them giving Saquon Barkley an extension over the summer. Um, they shouldn't. They probably will because he's maybe the one big name on the offense that people recognize at the moment. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know what's going on in New York at the moment. It's just, it's probably the least desirable team right now. If, if there was a coach opening, which there probably isn't at this point, it's just, it's just sad. Indeed. Maybe that's an option. They just don't want to fire judge because they reckon they can't find a better replacement, but I mean, he has been atrocious anyway. Um, I know there was some reports out saying that they still haven't decided because perhaps if they, you know, want to hire someone and they can't get on with judge, then they'll, they'll bin judge judge apparently wants to have a big name, a big say in who they hire as GM. John Mara, I mean, he's, a, he's just looking like a bit of an idiot at the moment. Um, and looking at this stats, I mean, this game, there's a reason we don't want to talk about it. 83 passing yards for the Giants, 99 for Washington, two picks for Jake from less than 100 yards. But, oh, this is, yeah, well, I don't think anyone ever wants to watch this game again, to be fair. Washington. I mean, on, uh, on Red Zone, I know when Scott Hansen had to switch this game, he actually apologised for putting mm. on at one point. He said something about, oh, all the other games are in timeouts. We're sorry, but we have to put this one on for you. It's just... That sounds so about right. The, the NFL's own product is saying, yeah, this is not a watchable game. Just don't bother. It was horrible. Yeah, 7 and 10, uh, Washington finished. Good enough for the 11th pick um, in the draft. The Giants, they'll be getting the 7th pick. Oh, no, that's the one acquired from the Bears. Excuse me. They also get the fifth pick. That is a positive for the new general manager Manager, excuse me, coming in. But um, a lot of mocking on the internet for the so – Kenny Golladay, they bought in before the season and didn't have a single touchdown catch. Um, yeah. Uh, he and Kadaris, Tony, the four-year, four $72 million receiver and the first-round pick receiver did not have a touchdown this year. Yikes. I mean, whew. Jason Garrett laughing all the way to the bank, they were – they were averaging, I think it was 19 points a game with him and nine without him. So, gee, God, Freddie Kitchens, whoever put him in charge of an offense. Yes, that was a final game. So far, no firings uh, in New York, but we can all hope. Uh, that's an interesting question. I'll have you. We'll pick it up later on in our, uh, in our postseason debriefs. Porto. I mean, I think the answer is pretty obvious now I think about it, but a couple of weeks ago, it would have been interesting. Are the Giants in a worse position than the Jets? I mean, you know, <laughs> entering the season, we probably had one answer. Coming out of the season, we probably have a very different answer, but um, we'll get onto that another time. Locks wise, well, not point mention them. I lost with the Colts, so I'm one of my nine and ten now. Gordo, he lost with the Bengals, thirteen and five, still so a comfortable win there. We're going to keep doing it into the playoffs. Interesting to see what happens there, but uh, obviously the result is a foregone conclusion. Okay, Doki, Gordo, anything else you wanted to mention from what was a bit of wild and? And wacky uh, week 18. Otherwise, I'll see you on Friday for a, a preview of what should be a very entertaining wildcard weekend. Yeah, no, I think we've covered pretty much any, everything. Uh, just, I think that was probably proof that week 18 was a good idea. I mean, you could have maybe had the same finishes in week 17, but it's just an extra week of drama and an extra week of fun. So, I mean, it seems like a positive. And an extra week of NFL for us to break down. Okay, we'll see you on Friday then. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the NFL.
Show Central podcast. As always, links are below in the description, uh, links to Twitter in the description. And uh, thanks to Kevin South for Music Songs for Frank Rama. Link to that in the description. And we'll see you all on Friday. Bye for now.